Welcome to the Direct Snap Dads podcast, where we cover the best in football. And now your hosts, Tyson and Luke Randall. Hey everyone, welcome to the Direct Snap. <laughs> Off to a good start. Hey everyone, welcome to the Direct Snap Dads podcast. My name's Luke Randall, and I am joined today by none other than my wonderful brother, Tyson Randall. Tyson, welcome to the show. Hey Luke, it's good to be here. I'm always glad to be here on the this podcast, and I think we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Some exciting what a championship. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. championship weekend was pretty crazy. We had... All kinds of things happening. Two really good games. Both went into overtime. Yeah, that's the first time both games have gone over into overtime for the championship Sunday. It's It was pretty crazy. A lot of uh, exciting action, and both games kind of came down to the wire. It was crazy. Man, and there were so many calls that were under review. Controversy and the calls, and, you know, yeah. there's I, I hear there's a legit petition down in New Orleans to get the game reversed. There's been 330,000 signatures to get the Saints to be deemed the winner of the game because of that pass interference thing at the end, I guess. I, I didn't see it myself, but apparently there's a lot of hullabaloo about a pass interference thing that wasn't called towards the end. Yeah, so that that was really kind of the, the game-defining moment of the, the weekend, I think. The Saints should really be in the Super Bowl. Um, and what kind of happened was, uh, so the saints were, it was, it was 20 to 20. There was less than two minutes left. There was like a minute 45 left. Uh, saints were third and 10 close to the red zone. They were like at the 20 yard line or something. Breeze throws it to Tommy Lee Lewis on the sideline. Um, and the Rams, the cornerback who was covering him, he didn't even look at the ball. He probably could have intercepted the ball if he was looking at it, but he, he was just looking at the receiver, just dove right at him. And there were four possible penalties, helmet to helmet, defenseless receiver, unnecessary roughness. Like it was all could have been called pass interference as well, but nothing was called. No flag was thrown. And the, that made the saints. So they had to line up for a field goal um, right then and there, cause it was fourth and 10. If the refs would have called pass interference, the saints would have had first down. They could have run the clock down and either just ran it in for a touchdown or kicked a field goal with time running out right there and would have won the game. That's crazy. So, and yet instead we have the Rams who are going to the super bowl. What, what stood out to you about this game? I, I noticed that the saints started off really strong. I, I was able to watch the first quarter and the Saints had total control of that game uh, when I was watching. But what what happened later on? So the yeah the Saints came out and and uh, kind of did what the Eagles did to them last week. You know they kind of dominated that first first quarter up up through the first uh, almost to halftime. There was a, a moment where the Rams kind of turned things around for themselves. They had a fake punt. Um, and then Jared Goff threw a bomb to Brandon Cooks, which got him down at the goal line, and Todd Gurley ran it in right before the half. Uh, they went into halftime 13-10. It seemed like both of them struggled. Both teams struggled to to get anything done. Both of those defenses were playing well, uh, especially the Rams' defense. They they really kind of stifled Drew Brees. He didn't do much uh, in the second half. Um, and then down near the end there, um, you know, it looked like the Saints were going to we're going to win. And then after that call was made, <laughs> everyone was, <laughs> oh my goodness. It was so loud in the Superdome. Uh, I wasn't there, but everyone was saying it was loud. I saw videos on 
uh, like Bleacher Report and stuff of like the ceiling falling down, like out in the hallways. Like it was so loud and crazy there. Like the ceiling was falling down in certain places in the lower parts of the stadium. That's crazy. Wow. It's amazing what that many people all together can do. And Sean McVay, uh, amazing play caller, amazing coach. Yeah, he's going to be coming up against the old master Belichick in the Super Bowl, but we'll get into that later. It it turns out Drew Brees did not have his best game. This wasn't exactly the vintage Brees performance. Uh, what what were your thoughts on how Brees came out in this game? I don't know. He started out really well, and then and I don't think it's all his fault, really. Like the coach Sean Payton's a great coach. He's a you know he's a Super Bowl winning coach, uh, but his play calling was pretty bad in the the second half i think they kind of tied drew Brees' hands a little bit you know so it was i don't think it was all Brees' fault you know they they really didn't show up in the second half like they probably should have and and i was you know i was kind of hoping for a chiefs rams rematch here in the super bowl but that didn't happen over in arrowhead uh i like you were saying that sean payton made some questionable coaching decisions in this game. From the very beginning, why would Andy Reid choose to kick it to the Patriots in the beginning? This has been bothering me (laughs) for a while. You have Patrick Mahomes and one of the best, if not the best offenses. Get ahead early. Get that momentum going. Don't don't kick it and depend on your less than perfect defense to stop the greatest quarterback of all time. Andy Reid, I don't know if you outthought yourself or what was going on, but I'm sure you had a strategy in your head, but... Obviously, that didn't work out for you. And there were some coaching decisions on the defensive end for the Chiefs that I noticed. Gronk and Edelman especially were just getting open on every third down. They had so many third down conversions to keep things going late in the game. And I just remember seeing Edelman going in motion. No one's following him. The guys are playing way off. It's third and nine or something, and the guys are playing eight yards off from him. Edelman's fast enough. He can juke, get open, throws it 12 yards, and it's another first down. There were some questionable coordinator decisions going on, and I I don't think that it was all the players' fault. Obviously, there was some lack of execution, but it was not the best weekend for Sean Payton or Andy Reid, otherwise excellent, historically great coaches. Uh, what were your thoughts on on this game, Tyson, the Patriots heading into Arrowhead? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I've got to agree with you on the, the coaching um, for the Chiefs. You were right. Like, every third down, it was the Edelman or Gronk, mm-hmm. you know, somebody, sometimes it was Hogan, too. Like, oh, and Hogan, Somebody too, yeah. was wide open. The Chiefs, they did it every single time. Didn't the Chiefs not think, oh, cover Edelman, cover— There were no adjustments. <laughs> cover the guys they are going to— no adjustments yeah. were made from the first half to the second half. You got to adjust because the way Belichick coaches, he always changes his strategy. So as soon as you catch on to what he did on the last drive, he's doing something else. And you got to notice play by play and make the adjustments on the field. And, and that simply wasn't done from what I could see. And the biggest question for me was why they didn't allow Patrick Mahomes to get out there and get a quick strike touchdown. Uh, you know, it took him a while to finally connect with Tyreek Hill. He got a 42-yard pass late in the first half, and it just took him a while to get things going. The Patriots started off with a 10-minute drive 
took up most of the first quarter and scored a touchdown. That kills you on several levels because, first of all, your defense gets demoralized after that long of a drive. You start to question kicking the ball off. Uh, the crowd can get taken out of it. And most importantly, Mahomes is over shivering on the sideline instead of staying warm and being in an offensive situation where he's making passes. Very questionable decisions made on the coaching end in this game. Yeah. Um, so you could totally tell that the defense was worn down, especially in overtime. Oh, Patri- yeah. Patriots Same, marched right it, to the end was- zone. It was so reminiscent of the Falcons a few years ago. I mm-hmm. I just watched the Chiefs defense huffing and puffing just like the 2016 uh, Falcons did. And and I just remember thinking the same thing. I was like Edelman and Gronk and Hogan and all those guys just wearing them down. And Brady, of course, pinpoint accuracy in the fourth quarter. I'll hand it to him. He's an excellent, excellent quarterback, and that's an understatement. He really is the Jedi master of the league and Belichick has some witchcraft going on or something because they, and and I will say this, they have a lot of luck going their way too. Obviously there's, they really do. They won the coin toss in overtime. I think had Mahomes and company won the coin toss, it, the chiefs very well could have gone to the Super Bowl. The Patriots weren't stopping them any better than the, than the chiefs were stopping the Patriots. Um, But the the only difference was the way the chiefs did it chunk plays they they get nothing and then nothing and then a 25 yard pass and then nothing and nothing and then a 30 yard pass just like big big chunks downfield because of Tyreek Hill and and that's the way they've been all year but Belichick was able to shut it down he found a way again yeah Mahomes made several big mistakes especially late in the game you know overthrowing people there there was one play where I don't remember which receiver it was but he was wide open in the end zone and Mahomes overthrew him like no one was covering him. It was it's so of, true. And, and he's young. He's, he's he's young. And Belichick brought massive amounts of pressure on him throughout the game, too. I don't know if Mahomes has been under that much pressure most of this season. Yeah. What, one of the key plays, I, I think, that kind of decided the game. Um, uh, and I don't know if you saw it. Number 55, D Ford on the, the Chiefs, mm-hmm. uh, the Patriots. So the Chiefs were up. It's 31 to 24 and the Patriots are marching downfield. It's, it's, I don't remember second and something, but, uh, Tom Brady throws it to Gronk. The ball's tipped. The chiefs intercept it. And at that moment, you think the game's over. There's like two minutes I left. I saw that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But then there was a flag on the play. D Ford was in the neutral zone. He lined up just barely off sides. The Chiefs had the Super Bowl in their grasp had he not lined up in the neutral zone. And it's just little things like that that history turns on. And we yeah. talk about luck going the Patriots' way. I I will eat my words a little bit and say in this dynasty, this 20-year dynasty, they have had luck against them as well. I'll give them credit. The catch in 2007 off the helmet, things like that tend to not break their way every time, but it just seems like, especially in the last three years, with the Falcons and the Chiefs, namely, things have broken their way. It, they just seem to break their way in so many ways. I made a note about this because I thought it was it was pretty hilarious. So the Chiefs' defense couldn't adjust to the, the Patriots, but Tony Romo, <laughs> calling the game, he was like a wizard. I don't know if you saw that. Like every single yeah. play, he's like, oh yeah, the Patriots are going to, they're probably going to run up the middle right here. They're going to run a screen play. You know, he would just call the plays. And the Patriots did exactly what he said every single time. 
Yeah. I <laughs> think that thought... Romo gets Romo gets the praise, but I do think that I, I think that also if you've been a quarterback in the league for a long time, you have such an advantage. And and I feel like Romo does get the praise because he's in the box and making the calls. Um, and he is very good at it, not to denigrate what he has done. But, you know, I was listening to a podcast with Derek Carr and he said that him and, and uh, or is it Derek Carr that used to play on the Texans? David Carr. David Carr and Derek Carr said they were watching the game together and they were both doing what Romo was doing. They were basically saying the same thing. I feel like it's a quarterback thing, but Romo is very acute with it. He's very aware. And so I, I, yeah, he deserves the wizard title, but I also (laughs) wanted to say there are other quarterbacks that know what's going on too, just mostly because I don't want Romo to get all the credit. (laughs) That's, that's very true. My, my favorite thing about Tony Romo is there, there's a meme you know those Geico commercials that say, how happy is so-and-so? Happier than a blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And there's one for Tony Romo that says, how happy are Geico customers? Happier than a defense facing Tony Romo. Because <laughs> he, <laughs> he always throws interceptions. It seemed like he was the king of I've interceptions. Seen, I've seen that before, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. At, he's a very good analyst. He's very good at calling the games. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I will definitely give him that. But yeah, just the Chiefs, just every time they either outthink it, they overthink things, or they just psych themselves out. There were certain turning points in this game that easily could have gone their way and they would have gone to the Super Bowl. But I mean, it just didn't break their way this time. Yeah. And kind of going back to the the coaching thing, I did notice you remember that game we watched. The, it was actually the Chiefs and Patriots. It was like 2014 playoffs. It was the divisional round Chiefs versus Patriots. And the Chiefs just botched the clock management at the end of the game. Like, they totally just blew it. Alex Smith was on the yeah, sideline. Yeah, and we were joking about oh, yeah. Alex uh, Smith. Can you uh, book my hotel right now? You know, they're all ready for vacation. Book a couple more days. It looks like I'm going to get an early vacation. Our season's <laughs> over. Yeah, it was poor clock management, and, and it was almost like giving up. So, at least they didn't give up this time, but... Man, both the teams that lost very well could have been in the Super Bowl. That's what made this championship weekend so great is that it really was the flip of a coin, literally in the Patriots case, as far as overtime goes. But it yeah, was I've, just it was a great weekend overall. Yeah. And I, I just want to say to a, a few things about Tom Brady and I'm, you know, I'm not a Patriots fan, but. As a I, foot, I as, consider myself a great respecter of Tom Brady, though, I yeah. I. I love to hate on him sometimes, but I actually really respect him as a person and as a player. Yeah, and he's just one of those guys, you know, while while watching him play in this, it was just one of those things where, you know, I wanted the Chiefs to win, but watching Tom Brady, it was kind of like, and it wasn't as, as great as this, in, in my opinion, but it, it's it was close. Watching Michael Jordan, you know, like in his final you know, his NBA championships, it was one of those things where, yeah, you want the Chiefs, you want the underdog to win, but at the same time, you want to see this amazing player go out and be great and just win, you know, that that was kind of a, a thing that I was thinking about while watching him. It was kind of like watching Michael Jordan or Derek Jeter, some one of the great sports icons, you know, doing their thing. Um, and I, and I agree. Sometimes I'm not happy with Tom Brady, especially twice a year when he beats the dolphins. But oh yeah. <laughs> actually that's not true. Tom Brady does have a losing record in Miami, which is my only consolation. <laughs> Get out the whip. Yeah. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, as far as Tom Brady goes, though, really respect and, and love the guy. I think he's really funny. He's really nice. I love I just love the type of person he is. He's a really good role model for kids. He's just he is that clean cut good guy, you know, like he's not, you know, and yeah, he's competitive and things like that. But man, he's 41. He's been in the league for so long. He was he was in the league back when they faced the Rams last time. And I'm getting to the point with the Patriots now. I kind of decided, especially after this game, let it go. I I cannot sit here and just fixate on how they beat everyone and how they annoy me. I feel like if I let go of my annoyance, everything's going to be okay. I need to just stop hanging on so tightly to my grudge against them. I'm just going to let them be great. One day this dynasty will come to an end. Who knows when? But when it does, we'll probably even look back on it fondly and be like, remember when the Patriots were just unbeatable? They just yeah. were this massive tyrant in the league. And, you know, there's never going to be there may never be another dynasty quite like them. You know, there's never going to be someone that dominates for 20 years like oh, they man. have just constantly in the mix. Yeah, it's one of those things that kind of transcends sports, you know, some icon like tom brady is is greater than the sport almost you know like mm -hmm. just how he who he is and just how he plays the game and just the legend i guess nine super bowls uh five super bowl wins um for now we'll we'll see i guess but and he holds like all of the almost all of the starting quarterback records out there you know like he's he's just one of those guys and and I will say I've I've got to bring this up. This is a side note. Everyone's like, Tom Brady's the only guy with five Super Bowl rings. That's actually not true. Charles Haley has oh, five yeah, Super Charles Bowl. Charles Haley rings. does with different teams, doesn't he's, he? Yeah, he's got like four with the 49ers and one with the Cowboys. So he's not the only one. Although he might have six here pretty soon. I'm not gonna put <laughs> I'm not gonna put it beyond the Patriots for beating the Rams. Uh, speaking of. Patriots versus the Rams. Let's talk a minute about our Super Bowl predictions. Not this Sunday, but the next Sunday. Uh, Tyson, going into this, what are your initial thoughts? You've got two excellent coaches, one young gun heading up against the old witchcraft master. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts here? Who's going to come out on top? I, I honestly believe the Patriots are going to win. You know, they didn't play real well in the fourth quarter, especially their defense. Um, well, Tom Brady played well. The defense didn't play well. Mm -hmm. um, and the Rams have a good defense, but there's just, it's, it's almost a mental game. You know, it really is. The and at this point, teams are getting psyched out going up against the Patriots. Like because of how long their dynasty's been games, like the Falcons game has really been eye opening for other teams. Just like yeah. these guys seem like they can't be beat. Granted, the Eagles did it last year. Um, but I, but I think that's, close. I think that's fuel on the fire though. The Patriots know they lost last year mm -hmm. and you know that's that's fuel on their fire they're going to come back in and i don't think the ram well the eagles kind of had that special magic last year i don't think the rams have that um but the ram and i don't want to discredit the rams because you know on paper they're probably the best team in the league all that talent they have on their roster um i don't know how they got everyone they have you know it seems like there'd be some money problem that would keep half those players off the team because like they do you have a think ton that do you think that darnold and company have what it takes to stop sony michelle because the running game has been was killing the chiefs it absolutely murdered the chargers but can can darnold and company stop this train 
uh yeah aaron donald uh, did you say darnold <laughs> i think that's the jets oh quote. sorry let me let me start over okay. okay so tyson do you think that aaron donald and company can stop sony michelle i mean because they crushed the chiefs and the chargers with their running game can sony michelle be stopped by aaron donald and company I think he can for sure. I, I think it's like the Zeke Elliott thing from the Cowboys game. The, the Rams killed the Cowboys running game, which was supposed to be the, the X factor for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Patriots, though, they have been playing a lot of run-based football in the playoffs and in late in the season. They had a I fullback think, on the field against the Chiefs. You almost never see a fullback nowadays. Yeah, they lined up with two fullbacks a couple times, actually, too. Jeez. Um, and I think the Rams have what it takes to stop them. But I don't know if Bill Belichick's going to plan his game around the run as much this time around because he knows who's in the middle there, Sue and Aaron Donald, and they've got Dante Fowler on that line too. That defensive line is crazy good, and I think Belichick's going to find a way to get around that. Belichick's a master of exploiting the weaknesses. So I'm wondering what they're going to do with their receivers to try to exploit a weakness amongst Talib and company in the backfield. I don't know what matchups work best. I'm sure Gronk is going to be heavily utilized and Edelman, especially, although I would think that Sean McVay would try to shut down Edelman after what happened to the chiefs this weekend. That's true. I think he's, it's really going to be a game of, of chess to throw him off. You know, he's going to run it when they think they're going to pass they're, and they're going to pass when they think they're going to run. You know, Belichick's just going to plan his game like that, I think. I don't know. I, I'm excited about this game because it's kind of like a, a full circle of the last 20 years. This is you know, where it all started. This is yep, where the dynasty yeah. started was with this same matchup. Except it was yeah. the St. Louis Rams, but... That's true. And I, I've got to give a shout-out to those St. Louis fans who got robbed of their team and it's now <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> um, I was watching a documentary about how... The Rams moved from Los Angeles just because their owner's family was from St. Louis. It's crazy that rich people's families influence an entire team going to a different fan base. You know, it's just crazy how things happen. And and you got to feel for those St. Louis fans, though, a little bit, because the, the city of St. Louis actually had the money to keep the team. They wanted the Rams in St. Louis. They were willing to pay for it. They were going to upgrade their stadium. But the league essentially ripped the Rams from them and stuck them in Los Angeles uh, to promote their new, you know, their that big media market and that new stadium they want there. So, oh, wow. What, yeah, whether that's right or wrong. <laughs> I'm just glad the Chargers didn't move to St. Louis. That'd be depressing. Yeah, I'm <laughs> glad the Chargers didn't move to Los Angeles either. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that would not have been a good move to move them to Los Angeles. Yeah. Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, so my man. picks for this game, I think the Patriots are going to win. Uh, the Rams haven't beaten the Pats since 2010. And in this scenario, uh, you know, the Rams, the Pats are favored in this game. And I think they're just going to, you know, they were the underdogs the first time they beat them. They're going to be the, you know, the favored team and they're going to win again this time. Let's just put it this way. I'm with you. I feel that the Patriots are going to win. I can't see the Rams stopping them for four quarters. They may surprise them. Let's just say this. I'll be surprised if the Rams win. I'm also picking the Patriots to go full circle. 
I don't think this will be Tom Brady's last year like some people are buzzing about. I think he's going to play till he's 50 if he can. <laughs> yeah, But for sure. um, this would be a nice stopping off point for the dynasty if he did retire after this year. But that's wishful thinking for me. It would have been a great way to go, but Michael Jordan never retired when it was his cue to leave either. So he came back for the Wizards. So <laughs> Yeah, that's true. He had that's the perfect true. storybook ending. And I think that... As Brady and the Patriots beat the Rams, because I'm about 90% sure that they will, they've made it past the Chiefs. They made it past the Chargers. They didn't have to play the Ravens. They've they've made it. You know, I, I unless if McVay's got some magic up his sleeve and some crazy things break the Rams way, this is going to be another Patriots year. And I've just let go of it. I'm not going to get annoyed at the Patriots fans I know that are always rubbing it at everyone's faces. They're almost embarrassed now because they win so much. They're like, oh, this is, it's kind of like when you're playing ping pong and you kill your younger cousin <laughs> and you're beating him like 21 to one. Yeah. You feel kind, of, feel kind of sheepish for beating him as bad as you did. <laughs> oh, man. That's how, that's... that's how the Patriots fans I know are acting right now. That's funny. That's a good analogy. <laughs> so, and we we certainly won't be sad if if the Rams do end up winning. And I, you know, I don't care. Like if I pick the Patriots and the Rams win, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I'm good so. with the Rams winning. I don't care for either of these teams. I'd say Patriots are towards the bottom. Rams are somewhere towards the middle for me. Kind of like the Saints were, and the Chiefs are towards the middle. The teams I want are never <laughs> in the final. And when they are, it's the Chargers getting crushed after their brutal road game after road game and just can't make it happen. But all right, let's move on for a little bit here. All right. So Tyson, we're going to move on to this next section about our favorite Super Bowls. Do you want to explain a little bit what this segment's about? Yeah. So Luke and I are going to go through our top five Super Bowls and this isn't, we're not talking about the best games. We're not talking about, you know, the ultimate matchups. We're talking about five Super Bowls that we remember as kids that kind of were nostalgic or memorable or that meant a lot to us at the time. You're going to hear some on here that weren't that great of a Super Bowl, but for some reason (laughs) we have memories of them. Luke, do you want to start us off with your number? I'll kick things off. And I I realized that this first one I'm going to mention because it is the most important Super Bowl to me, I'm just going to go with that first. So these aren't in order at all, but, but uh, Super Bowl 29, and I believe this was on your list as well, from what I understand, Tyson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Super Bowl Twenty Nine was the beginning of my football fandom for me. Like I mentioned a few podcasts ago, my grandpa taped the game. And when we first moved to Utah from Oklahoma, I was five, six years old. And I would rewatch that Super Bowl over and over and watch the 49ers hammer the Chargers. I just remember loving Steve Young and Jerry Rice, Ricky Waters and company. I loved watching that team. That was my, it still is my favorite historical year for the 49ers, personally. A wonderful Super Bowl, even though it was a blowout. They had an excellent halftime show. It had the Indiana Jones halftime <laughs> show where Indy's <laughs> running around going. <laughs> it was so <laughs> 90s. That guy, yeah, it was super 90s. And I guess the ride had just opened up at Disneyland and. A wonderful, wonderful Super Bowl. Happy day for Steve Young. I became a 49ers fan, a Steve Young fan, Jerry Rice fan. That is my first Super Bowl of note, mostly for the nostalgia and also for what it brought to my life. It opened my eyes to football, and I've been a huge fan ever since. 
Yeah, and I actually have this Super Bowl on my list as well. And for similar reasons, I remember watching that tape over and over and over. You know, we would fast forward to different parts and watch the halftime show. And <laughs> we love that halftime show. I know it was funny. I remember watching it and thinking, uh, feeling bad for the Chargers a couple times. You know, because yeah. the one play I remember from them was that Andre Coleman ninety-eight yard. Kickoff, kickoff return that was like their only good play in the whole game and i was they were kind of, buried in that game they they oh, made yeah. no impression i feel bad because they haven't been back since yeah and i looked up a couple facts about this game before the podcast just because you know we see it through the lens of childhood mm-hmm. but the 49ers had the biggest like point margin over under of any super bowl ever like the 49ers were supposed you know they're the betting odds or however whatever they mm-hmm. they used to bet i don't understand betting if if anyone out there can tell uh but the 49ers <laughs> were basically guaranteed to win by a huge amount of points and they they did <laughs> so and then the other thing people always talk about and grandpa actually had this game taped too: the cowboys 49ers nfc championship i love everyone saying Even that was the real super bowl, bowl. Yeah, that was that was the real Super Bowl. The 49ers and Cowboys were in the middle of a heavy feud at the time. That is probably my favorite football game of all time for several reasons, one of them being the 49ers getting ahead to a 21-0 lead in the first six minutes. It's a wonderful game. That was a great year. Deion Sanders was on the Niners. It was just such a cool year for the 49ers, and they were never the same again after that year, but that year was magical. So we're counting that. You had the same one for the first Super Bowl. I'm going to move on to my second Super Bowl uh, that is worth mentioning, and that is Super Bowl 39. Now, I wasn't quite a kid at this time. I was I was right around 13, 14. I was 14, 15 years old right around there. This was such a great year for me because I started playing football in middle school in eighth grade. This was the resurgence of football back into my life because there was a little period of time where I kind of wasn't into football. It was just a few years. I think it was between being about um, 11 to 14. There was three years where I didn't follow it, didn't care too much, maybe checked on the Super Bowl a little bit. But um, this year got me way back into it. It was the Eagles and the Patriots. And I just remember the road to that. I remember that James Farrier was playing for the Steelers in the AFC Championship game. And I wanted the Steelers to beat the Patriots so bad. This was the beginning for me of wanting the Patriots to lose. And they lost the game and the Patriots win. And not only did they beat the Steelers, but they beat the other Pennsylvania team in the Super Bowl too. And and it was just a memorable year, despite me not caring for either of the teams that were in it. I remember the time a lot, and that's why Super Bowl Thirty Nine is special to me. Yeah, that that game generated a lot of Patriots and Eagles fans in Enterprise. I remember. Yes, uh, I yes, you'd see jerseys, you see McNabb jerseys popping up everywhere. Uh huh. Yeah, I I just remember that game because I didn't really want either team to win. I remember <laughs> I was a junior in high school, I think, for this game, and. I just remember all the kids at school had either Patriots or Eagles jerseys. And I was like, where's all this coming from? Who are these bandwagoners? That was where we started to get really annoyed with bandwagoners. That's when we started to notice that that was a thing. Yep. So that's definitely a classic one. I didn't have that one on my list. My next Super Bowl I had on my list was uh, Super Bowl 40, the one right after that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Steelers ended up winning 21 to 10 against the, the Seahawks. <laughs> Not the 2012 bandwagon Seahawks team. No, this was, no. Th- this Seahawks team had players that if you asked a Seahawks fan, do you know who Sean Alexander is? Do you know how, who Matt Hasselbeck is? They'd be like, who? <laughs> who? They don't know who they are. Yeah, so this one was in 2006. It wasn't that great of a Super Bowl. I remember there were some really bad... Uh, officiating calls. decision yeah. officiating calls that kind of helped the Steelers win the game mm-hmm. uh, but I kind of the reason why, why I remember it was just kind of the road it seemed like NFL films did some really cool segments leading up to the game they did one for 39 as well and that was one of the big reasons why I picked 39 but yeah yeah so and that, that's why I picked for NFL films influences everything. We do. They really do. NFL films is amazing. They have shaped our love for football. I don't even know if we'd love football the same way if it weren't for NFL films. So big shout out to Ed and Steve Sable for creating NFL films. It has yeah. made football what it is in our minds. Yep. The slow motion, the epic shots, the narration, the music. Yeah, yeah. everything about it. My next Super Bowl is uh, Super Bowl 35 and this was a very unmemorable kind of stupid super bowl it was the ravens crushing the giants 31 to 7 but i just remember the back-to-back kickoff returns for touchdowns the giants only score was a kickoff return for a touchdown they almost got shut out by one of if not the best defense of all time i'm going to put the 85 bears above them so the second best defense of all time the 2000 ravens again not a memorable super bowl but i just remember being so shocked that the giants returned a kick and then the ravens returned a kick back to back kickoffs that was such a special thing to me when i was you know i was still a kid i was how old would i have been i'd have been like 9 10 right around there. So yeah, yeah. I just remember I watched that one four or five times on tape and I I just, we did, we had that on tape and I watched it four or five times. And, and for some reason, even though it was a boring kind of blowout game, I was into it. So anyways, that was my next one. Yeah. The one player I remember from that game was Jason Seahorn. Yes, the last white cornerback in the league. <laughs> and I don't know why. The reason why I, he stuck out to me was because we had this like NFL shop magazine that had like one one player from each team. Their jersey was featured. And mm-hmm. Jason Seahorn was the featured Giants player. So he was like the only player I knew. That, on was that, a Giants weird year. that was a weird year for the Giants. Wasn't like Kerry Collins, their Kerry quarterback Collins was the quarterback. They had a, yeah. a weird roster for a Super Bowl team. That was kind of odd. They, they were one of those teams that shouldn't have been there. I think they beat the Vikings, the Randy Moss Vikings ah, in the NFC championship yeah. game. They like, it was one of those. Where because it's heaven forbid the Vikings getting back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every odd is against them. Oh, man. So the next Super Bowl I had on my list was uh, Super Bowl 34. Uh, this one, the Ram- this was the Rams' first Super Bowl win. I they almost won- put this on my list, but yeah, this probably would have been number six for me. <laughs> yeah. So the Rams ended up winning 23-16 against the Titans. Um, and the most memorable, mem- the memorable, mem- the memorable, 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 yeah, the most memorable play was the very end of the game. The you know the uh, Dyson. I don't remember his first name. Andre Dyson or no, was, I can't yeah. remember. 
Kevin Dyson. I can't. Kevin remember. Dyson or something. Yeah. Tyson Dyson. No. Just yeah. Kidding. So he was like, it was like the final seconds, and they were down. If they would have scored a touchdown, they could have won the game. But he was tackled like one yard from the goal line, and time ran out. Kevin no- Dyson. Yep. So, and I remember that um, it was kind of a big, big deal at school. I was in sixth grade, I think. This it was actually the first time I had heard of Kurt Warner, because the whole the whole year I thought the Rams quarterback was like Trent Green or something, because mm-hmm. that's who was on Madden. <laughs> and <laughs> so, like at school, kids were like, "Oh yeah, Kurt Warner," and I was like, "Trent Green's the quarterback of the Rams," <laughs> and they're like, "No, it's Kurt Warner," and I had never even heard of him. And then there was also a reflections contest. Uh, you know, those school programs where you draw a picture, you know, based on a theme. And the theme was, I can't believe or I couldn't believe. And my picture was, I couldn't believe he came up one yard short. And I drew a picture of Dyson stretching. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) So that's why I brought this one up, because that was kind of one of those childhood games that's, you know, sticks with you. Classic. Um, So my next one, I wasn't a child at all. But it was a special time in my life for me. Super Bowl 47 was the 49ers and Ravens when the power went out during the game. I was 21 at the time, or no, 22 at the time. And I was just kind of, I had just gotten back from Bulgaria. So I was trying to get used to America again after living abroad for two years. And I could not, it was just weird because my favorite team was in the Super Bowl. But I just remember it not mattering to me at the time i was just like yeah 49ers are good whatever it's not the steve young 49ers i guess this one i mentioned because i didn't realize the significance of it i was like the 49ers were at the super bowl that's your team you know so and i just wasn't really that into it so oddly enough 47 is one that i remember because i've watched the highlights over and over and watched the road to it and how they got there after the fact several times but i i thought it was worth mentioning um it was it was memorable for me because it wasn't memorable at the time but became so later on if that makes sense yeah that, that makes total sense and uh this this is the game that kind of spawned our nfl mafia theories <laughs> <laughs> yes the lights yeah, go was- out and you know, all of a sudden the 49ers come back and almost win the game. I don't know. Game. Yeah, there was some weird stuff going on in the Harbaugh Bowl. But, yeah, that's that's my fourth one out of five. What, what do you got for us for your so, fourth one? I'm going to flip my order here a little bit because I think our, our last Super Bowl is going to be the same. The same. Yeah, I uh, wanted to end on that one. <laughs> yeah, because that, that was probably the most memorable. But this the my fourth one is uh, Super Bowl 31. Uh, the Packers won 35 to 21 against the Patriots. And this one was memorable to me just because we had this one on tape as well. Um, and at the time, um, the Nintendo 64 had just come out. Oh, yeah. Uh, our neighbor had NFL quarterback club 98 or 96. And we would play that and he would always be the Packers. So like the Packers were like this invincible team to me at the time. And Brett, I really liked Brett Favre. Brett Favre is one of my favorite players, and uh, just and I hated the Patriots then too. <laughs> I did not yeah. like Drew Bledsoe. Patriots fans out there are like, "Who's Drew Bledsoe?" <laughs> right? You've never. That's right. You've never liked the Patriots. You didn't like Bledsoe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, the Patriots are that team. So the Patriots were actually a really horrible team, if anyone can believe that, back in the 90s when I became a fan in the early 90s. 
the Dolphins and Bills were the big deal in the AFC East. The Patriots were a joke. Um, and I just remember Drew Bledsoe was this, you know, this up and coming young guy that I was like, you got nothing. <laughs> you know, I wanted to, yeah. to see him get because he's in the division down. and then they got Parcells and they got good and then they got Belichick and they got really good. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I remember about this leading up to this game, this was the first season, full season of the Panthers and Jaguars. And they both made it to the championship games. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about that later on in documentaries. I didn't realize it when it was happening. Yeah, well, as a kid, there because there was an NFL Films thing about this one, too. And I just remember as a kid thinking, oh, yeah, the Panthers and Jaguars, you know, they're good teams. <laughs> you know, it didn't register in my mind that these are two expansion teams who, you know, made it all, both of them made it all the way to the championship games, which was pretty unique, but... Anyway, yeah. this this was one. Uh, Reggie White was a standout player. Desmond Howard was a standout player to me in this game. Uh, so it was just one I remember. Super cool. Well, let's end on the most classic Super Bowl for the both of us. The one that we have the most footage of. We remember the NFL films, things about it. We remember the lead-up video about John Elway with Blaze of Glory <laughs> leading up to it. Super Bowl thirty-two, the Broncos and Packers, and John Elway's first Super Bowl victory this one's for john probably the most classic season in the nfl for the two of our child for both of our childhoods and uh yeah it was amazing we both wanted john to win on some level even though you liked brett Favre. i, I can't remember were you who are you going for in this game i wanted the broncos to win this, this one's, one's for john, john. Um, I they had just gotten the new uniforms they looked good <laughs> yeah this season was was probably the biggest one and because we got we got like a huge set of football cards that year. Several teams changed logos. The, the Broncos, the Buccaneers both got new logos. And the Dolphins actually redid their logo that year as well. Just so many things about it. It seems like we had, you know, folders for school and our backpacks were football and that play mm -hmm. football montage thing that they had always put on. You know, this season was like the biggest deal. And then this Super Bowl, we recorded the whole thing and watched it a million times. Yeah, we've watched it at least 15 times, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I even did a school project. Uh, in, I was in fourth grade for this Super Bowl. We did a, a pro we had to do a, we the kids chose a project um, and I did mine on NFL football. And um, part of my video presentation contained that blaze of glory segment from the game <laughs> i remember John that this, this one was for john i remember when you put that tape together i would watch that tape that you made so i was so into it that was such a cool intro to the super bowl that they made and i'll never forget that that was just incredible plays incredible atmosphere and and mostly for us because we'd go out and play football after watching it and we'd pretend to wear the uniforms like we, we would just it was so cool to us. We drew, I know I did. I don't know if you did, but I drew the entire Broncos team, like at least I, all the starters, I and cut too. them out. Uh -huh. Yeah. We, we like drew the entire team, including Von Hebron, number 22, <laughs> that was mentioned last week, the deep track. But uh, <laughs> I, I drew everyone that year. And Terrell Davis was the coolest thing in the world at the time. We were so happy for John Elway. And this one's for John. What a Super Bowl that was. Yeah. And another thing leading up to it too, the AFC hadn't won a Super Bowl in like 15 years. Like wow. there was so, there was so much, uh, 
uh, kind of that was one of the big storylines. The AFC hasn't won in 15 years, and I remember, you know, they're, John Elway's the guy. This one's for John. Has it really Can been that long? This time? Yeah, it was. Wow. It had been that long, and John Elway was, was the the guy that broke that curse, and it was, you know, it was a big deal because John Elway Draw. we grew up with too. We had known about him several years before this, so we'd kind of been watching him. And then to see him go out there and win the game was it was something else. It was pretty cool. Amazing. So Super Bowl thirty two stands king among the others of the most memorable yeah. Super Bowl of our childhoods. And uh, yeah, that's that's great. I'm so glad we did that this week. All right, Tyson. So our next segment is football card of the week, and I believe that it is your week to bring a card. What do you got for us? Yep. So this week I've got a Upper Deck Collector's Choice. Uh, 1996 Junior Seau. <laughs> I remember that card because of the poor Chiefs guy getting murdered. On yeah, I think it's Marcus Allen. It's oh, is Marcus that Marcus Allen? Allen? Yeah. It is Marcus Allen. Yeah, so Junior Seau tackling Marcus Allen. And um, I don't know. I've got so many cards. I, I picked this one because I, I really like Junior Seau. He was one of the iconic football players uh, from our childhood with that Super Bowl 29, he played in that game for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. And kind of the thing that kind of solidified him in our minds, <laughs> Steve Everett. <laughs> <laughs> the, no, the, the thing that kind of solidified Junior Seau, at least in my mind, was that intro to the quarterbacks on quarterbacks. True Value wants to thank Junior Seau for his kindness. <laughs> <laughs> For his generosity. Like it's, yeah. (laughs) Off the field. field. (laughs) And then it goes into a video about all the good that Junior Seau did in the community and stuff. Um, So anyway, he's one player that I really liked as a kid. And he ended up playing on the the Patriots and the Dolphins and a couple other teams that. I wish that the Chargers would throw back to that uniform every once in a while. I think that uniform gets a, doesn't get enough praise like it, it wasn't their best look but it was i like it because of the time so i wish they'd at least bust it out here and there but yeah junior seau amazing guy when i was living in san diego i was right down the street from a park named after junior seau i guess he helped fund it um and so he did a lot of good in the community he really did and um a, a great a great player and great guy so all right so our final segment of the day is probably my favorite. It's where each of us pick a number between one and 99, and then the other individual, meaning you, I give you a number, and then you tell me what player comes to mind first when you hear said number. So I went to random number generator, and the number this week for you, Tyson, is 15. 15, Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Yeah, is it Mahomes now? Yeah, well, yeah, he's he's immediately, probably because he's fresh on my mind, Fresh on your mind. Uh, the second guy that popped in was Jeff Hostetler. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's vintage. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was 15 on the Giants when they won the Super Bowl and on the Raiders when he was traded later. I think he played on a couple other teams, too. That's crazy. First guy that came to my mind was Michael Crabtree for some reason. I don't okay. know Michael Crabtree came to mind first. Uh, the Raiders and 49ers, the East Bay guy. And then I also thought of Brandon Marshall for some reason, too. Those were two 15s that came to my mind. At least when Marshall was on the... Uh, uh, what team was he on when he was... 15 was that the oh my gosh was it the broncos oh seahawks and the bears 
he played for so many teams. He was kind of the problem child of the NFL. Yeah, I remember him on the Bears the most. He played for the Dolphins too. For he was really fifteen long. on most of his teams. I, I just pulled him up, and it looks like he was fifteen on most of the teams: Seahawks, yeah. Bears, Giants, Broncos. I remember he was Dolphins. He was on the Dolphins, and, like he but he didn't. 19. And the Jets too. Yeah, he wore number nineteen on the Dolphins, and part of the reason why. Dolphins fans believe that number is cursed. Uh, Brandon Marshall only stayed there for like a year or two, and he he wanted out for some reason, probably because of the the poor management upstairs office at the time. Yeah, so Dolphins don't have the best management. <laughs> no. Oh, Tim Tebow is another fifteen that everybody knows. <laughs> that uh, didn't grace the number. Yeah, Mahomes is a great choice. There's a lot of good fifteens though. 15, yeah, there's a lot of good 15s. That's a pretty good number. It's it's a pretty even field, but since Mahomes is the new revelation of the league and he's the new hot commodity, he definitely could come to mind first. I could see that. Yep. So the number I've got for you is uh, it's there's one player that kind of, I think, takes the cake, uh, but I want to see what you say. Um, and and this actually, this this number has quite a few classic players. Um, but I, I want to see what you say to your immediate reaction. Your number is 81. Um, yeah, Terrell Owens for sure. I can see Moss on the Patriots as well because um, he was 81 on that on, on the Patriots, wasn't he? He was, yep. Gosh, 81. Yeah, yep. I, would, I would definitely say that uh, Terrell Owens – um is the is in my opinion the iconic i'm trying to think if there's another 81 that's iconic um to is the one who i thought of that that's who you were thinking of okay Uh gotcha uh i mean there's a few others anquan bolden people like that but aaron hernandez (laughs) (laughs) right Um, i I wasn't going to mention another no i won't either (laughs) but there he is no but um yeah i mean bolden came to mind after but yeah to for sure for 81 for (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there were a couple other people that I thought of. Uh, so Randy Moss on the Patriots, uh, OJ McDuffie on the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course he would come to my mind as a Dolphins fan. A um, couple others: Megatron, Calvin Johnson on the Lions. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a big he's a big eighty-one. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal, isn't he? Yep. And then Tim Brown from the Raiders. I don't know ah, if you remember Tim him. Tim Brown. Yep. Tim Brown. And then this one's a deep cut, Tory Holt from the Tory Holt from the Rams. Yeah. Oh man, there's a lot of good eighty ones then. Yeah. Oh man, there's there's good eighty ones. And let us know in the comments if you guys think of any other eighty ones that we've been missing um, or fifteens. Um, be sure to shoot us an email. Uh, you can reach us at direct snap. What is what's our email? <laughs> So if you want to send us an email, uh, you can reach us at directsnappodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet to us on Twitter at dadsnap is our handle. Dads with two S's, D-A-D-S-S-N-A-P, at dadsnap. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, (laughs) Those are great numbers, man. What a great podcast we've had today. And I'm looking forward to next week as well. Um, And to all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. I know I I can speak for myself saying I love this, but I think I speak for both of us saying that we really enjoy bringing this to you. (laughs) Yep, we really do. And we're we're 
grateful for everyone listening and we we have a fun time doing this so yeah keep it going (laughs) all right and sponsor us if you have money no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) all right you guys take care and uh, thanks for joining us on the direct snap dad's podcast i'm dad luke there's dad tyson and we'll see you next time have a great week